We are going to continue with um, our series, and it's just a two-week little series on kicking off Faith Path, um, our role in Faith Path. And this week we're going to focus on the family's role, but this is week number two of this, of this Faith Path kickoff. Um, last week, Pastor Mark did a little introduction. We came, and then I came up, and we did a little um, kind of question and answer. Well, this week we're, we're switching so I'm doing a little introduction, and Pastor Mark's going to come up in, in just a few minutes, and we'll, we'll talk then, too. If you missed last week, make sure you go online um, and listen to the podcast, because what we're going to talk about this morning is going to make a lot more sense if you do that. So uh, Pastor Mark spent some time as far as um, the whole point, purpose, process of discipleship in our lives, and then last week we talked about the church's role. But let me... I want to start with something here. Brought up some chairs and everything. I'm going to move a few things here in order for us to see this a little better. But <clears throat> I have four stools, and these four stools are going to represent something to kind of help us take a real quick uh, road trip back to where we were last week. Okay, so that's what these these four are going to do. So these four chairs represent the discipleship process, and uh, Mark spent some time on it last week, but. But this is going to be chair one, chair two, chair three, chair four. Um, and so what happens is chair one is going to represent in the discipleship process um, those who are not followers of Jesus yet. Does that make sense? So you haven't, um, the Bible says that you haven't yet crossed over from death to life. Uh, Pastor Mark referred to it to be able to change that direction. You haven't done that yet. Chair two represents you being a follower of Jesus. So you've the Bible says you have crossed over from death to life. You have said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. So this is chair two in the discipleship process. Chair three is simply the idea that I realize me it's not just about me following, but God has called me to do something and have a role. And so you become more others-oriented. You know, this chair is a lot more of I, and this chair is a lot more of, wow, God can use me to, to reach and, and be a part of the discipleship process myself, which is awesome. Chair number four represents um, this whole idea of this process in repetition over time. So this is a follower, chair two. Chair three, you follow and fish. You could say, that's what Jesus said, I will make you, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men, right? And then chair four is follow, fish, repeat. So this is the idea of over the length of time, your, your spiritual parent, spiritual grandparent, where you have helped make disciples, who are now making disciples, who are now making disciples, and the process has, has repeated. So a lot of us spend time in chair one. A lot of people spend their entire Christianity in chair one. God wants us to be able to move to these progressive chairs. So all of this is great. This is the very short summation or kind of the Pastor Paul version of um, the discipleship process. I feel like I'm moving out here. Everything's kind of clearing out. But but I'm going to use this table now to represent this, because there are a few communities in which this happens. So this table is going to represent the church. And what happens is, in this discipleship process, there are a few communities in which it happens. So last week we talked about how this discipleship happens and how God designed the church to be kind of the, the table around which this happens. The community of believers of the church has an incredible role. Well, this morning, we're going to switch signs. And by switching signs, because there's one other community or avenue in which um, this discipleship process takes place, 
and that is in family. So this morning, I'm going to show you how this whole idea of family um, is another table in which the discipleship process centers around. It's another community in which discipleship happens. And so, so that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Um, does, does that make sense? Okay. Sometimes it helps to have a visual, at least for me, um, because it just helps it make a lot more sense. And I have to move back in real quick. But we are going to look at Psalm 78. So if you guys want to grab your Bibles, we're going to check out Psalm 78. And we're going to start right away in verse 1. Right away in verse 1. See, our families, our families need to reflect on how we prioritize. My family needs to reflect on how we prioritize what's important. And I believe the family is actually one of the great tools that God has given us to be able to help evangelize the world around us and disciple the next generation, this discipleship process. And so, but the question is, how, how do we disciple the next generation? How, how do we disciple our, our kids, our grandkids, our nieces and nephews, um, those other people in our family? And, and even more importantly, how do we do that well? And so, I'm glad you asked, because that's where we're going to spend our time. So let's start by looking at Psalm 78, starting at verse 1. It says this, Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the next generation to come the praises of the Lord. Do you hear that? It's awesome. And his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. Do you see how the generations are happening here? That they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commands and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So, these verses are all about how to disciple the next generation. And although there is a lot here, I want to step back and highlight one overarching principle for us to focus on this morning. All of, in all of this rich wisdom in this text and everything, there really is one principle that stands out. One thing that needs to happen to disciple the next generation well. And this is what, this is what it is, that they must prioritize Intentional time for disciple-making moments and opportunities. It must be a priority. You can't physically carry out anything in this text in Psalm 78 um, without prioritizing the intentional time to do it. See, discipling your kids doesn't happen on accident. You don't wake up one morning and, great, now they're incredible followers of Jesus. It takes a ton of intentionality. You must make it a priority over all the other things that clamor for your time when we've prioritized our time then to allow for disciple-making in our families, we then must be intentional in how we spend that time. Otherwise, we'll be unprepared and the opportunities will quickly pass by. Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to us quite a bit where you look back and you're like, oh, I totally missed it. See, <clears throat> Jesus' life confirms this principle as well. we'll jump into the New Testament here. After Jesus was discipled, he spent three and a half years purposefully discipling 12, 12 other guys. 
the same people who were at um, the Last Supper, in which we just celebrated communion. So, and eventually, he discipled them so well that eventually they got the gospel message that started with Jesus, went to those twelve, and then went to the twelve, those twelve reached out and discipled even more people, and then those people repeated the process until now, 2,000 years later, over 2.2 billion people are claim that they're followers of Jesus. So this is the process in which Jesus set in place 2,000 years ago, and look how well it's worked. And I always feel like the best example is probably Jesus. Jesus, we should look at his life for an example of how to do this. And so if Jesus did this, I think it's incredibly important for us to be able to emulate it as well. So, but if you look, how, how did Jesus do that? Do you ever wonder that? How, how did he set that in place? Well, number one, he was empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the good thing about that is that we are too. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So we're empowered just like Jesus was. But Jesus also, if you look throughout the four Gospels, Jesus prioritized intentional time to discipling those 12 guys. It's a huge deal of what he did. Look at the story of Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector, he had just gotten, uh, he had just become a follower of Jesus. He just entered chair two. And so in order to help reach out, he's like, you know what, my friends need to hear, my family. And so he throws this big party. And Jesus was there. So there were many sinners, the Bible says, and tax collectors there. Jesus was there, but the Bible says this, and there were a great crowd of many tax collectors and sinners and other people who came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. His disciples were right there with him. Or the story of the Pharisees getting mad at Jesus for plucking grain on the Sabbath. Jesus wasn't there by himself. He wasn't the only one plucking grain. The Bible says Jesus was passing through some cornfields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry which kind of sound like our kids on vacation where every two minutes, just because they're bored, they're like, can I have a snack? Can I? That's, but that's probably what his disciples were like. So anyways, Jesus is plucking grain for his disciples and the Pharisees get mad at him for doing that. Or Jesus was healing the crowds by the sea and the Bible says that Jesus withdrew from there to the sea with his disciples. So his disciples were with him all the time, even in one of the most agonizing and emotional and trying times, his disciples was there with, were, were there with them. They were there with Jesus. Um, at the Last Supper, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says he came out and went with his disciples, as was his custom, over the ravine of the Kindred to the Mount of Olives. See, Jesus understood that in order to make disciples, he needed to spend intentional time with them. That, that just had to be the case. They had to be together a lot to have this happen. Psalm 78 shows us that the disciple-making isn't just for Jesus, but really for everyone, especially for the people we spend most of our time with, our, our family. In our families, we have an incredible opportunity for intentional, relational discipleship. In fact, the unique bond, relational bond, of parents and children, grandparents and grandchildren, aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews, give us an inside track on really substantive and intentional discipling. To disciple anyone, especially the next generation, we must prioritize that intentional time for disciple-making moments. It has to be a big deal. Psalm 78 says it. Jesus' life shows it. And the unique relational context of our family gives us the best opportunity 
I believe, to practice it. But how does this look? How do you do this? How can we practically apply this prioritizing of intentional time principle? Well, let's start with a few examples. So, one is when we first had Anthony, and he was just a little kid. This is some ways that Kristen and I have tried to do it throughout the years. Um, He had, I don't know, something wrong with him, and we had to take him to the doctor a lot. I don't remember what had to get checked and all that. But anyways, I would, you know, Kristen was at home. She had just had the baby. So, you know what, like the next day after we got home, I was like, well, I'll take him to the doctor. So I dubbed that time from like day two or day three or whatever that was as a man run with Anthony. So I'd have him in the car seat and we would say man run and we'd be out the door. And so, well, that carried on for years until Anthony was starting to talk and he would say manna. And that meant, that was his version of saying man run, and he would want to go with dad somewhere. You know, like, you know, even simple errand running. Um, times, you know, where I, I was working on the car and I brought Anthony with me to go to uh, the auto parts store and get the car checked. And, uh, and Anthony was with me and um, we actually went to buy the part and we were able to invite the guy to O'Reilly Auto Parts to church. Had a great conversation with him. You know, that, that wouldn't have happened, especially, and Anthony wouldn't have been able to see it if there wasn't kind of that opportunity or time made available. Um, and then he later, as we were putting the grill back on the van, dropped the screws inside underneath the grill, and my arm wouldn't fit in there. He couldn't reach it, so I had to take everything apart, get the screws. But you know what? It's, it's that intentional time. Um, you know, I, I think those kinds of things are a big deal. Um, camping trips. You guys ever wonder, like, man, why, why do we put all this energy into a camping trip? It is agonizing sometimes, especially when your kids are little. You bring half the house. Well, because you're laughing because you know. You do it because I tell Kristen all the time, I'm like, you know, hopefully when Anthony's 14, 15, or the girls are 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, we're on this annual camping trip that they're rolling their eyes at dad maybe a little bit and be like, geez, dad, you know, why do we still do this? But around that campfire at night, when we're up late, that there's opportunities for great conversations. That's why. And so hopefully we can make those kinds of times. Um, Bonfires, all those kinds of things can really give a chance for incredible um, intentional time. You know, another intentional way that Kristen and I have tried to do this is um, in our house we actually have a wall that's kind of like a spiritual wall. In fact, there's a, there's a picture that I have of it. Um, and, and some of the things that you're going to see up here, it's, there's simply a scripture off to the left there that you'll see. Um, that's a scripture from Psalm about show me your way, um, teach me your true path, guide me in your truth. That that's just the idea of, hey, you know what, this is our wall where, where this gives an opportunity to do that. You'll see the Nicene Creed on there. You'll see Anthony's, uh, a picture of Anthony getting baptized. There's a definition of mercy up there. Um, a couple pictures of when our when our kids got dedicated here at Port View, and, um, and and off way off to the right, there's a there's a little whiteboard. Well, it's actually a blackboard, and and it says on there, and you can't really read it, but it says that what has God been saying to you? And I, I'd like to say that we really do it a lot, but every once in a great while, I'll pull the kids in and say, hey, you know what? We've been, you know, what. What has God really been saying to you? And, you know, they're young, and so sometimes they're like, I don't know. 
you know, what is God saying? And we get to talk about that. But, you know, those are all just simple tools up there. And hopefully every time they walk past that wall, you know, they'll see the reminders. Of, you know what? I, I was baptized here. Or this is when mom and dad dedicated to me. Or, you know what? I, I, I need to stay on this path of showing me a way and guiding me in truth. So, so those are just some avenues in, in, in which it can happen in some ways that we've tried to do it, do it at our house. In fact, and I got this idea probably two years ago from a book that I had read of kind of this whole life, this, this exploration into faith path and how, how can this look at home and everything. And I said, that's a good idea. We're going to try it. So um, another way, another way is there's actually been a, 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 quite a bit of research done on this whole idea of kids staying with or leaving their faith. And I shouldn't say kids, I should say young adults, that after they graduate high school, um, a number of them, in fact, some would say a very high percentage, some say it's a little less, but uh, one study said that it was about 75% of students once they graduate from high school will at least stray from their faith for some period of time. Well, I really appreciated some research that was done on the 25% who stuck with it. And there really is some practical avenues to be intentional with your time in the conclusions that they drew. So they interviewed this 25% and they came up with four commonalities that this 25% had. And I thought, well, man, that's really important for us because this is what we're trying to do, raise kids who serve Jesus for life. And so here's what some of the ways that the research said was good and really helped these, these uh, young adults stay with their faith. Number one was serving before age 12. Um, you know, some opportunities to serve together. Uh, the loves doing Bible quiz, their whole family is serving and doing Bible quiz together, which is awesome. It's just something that they do together. Or um, when we do the community cleanup, you know, ever, even when Aubrey was little, I'd have her on a little backpack as we're, you know, picking up trash, and I'd bend over and she'd almost fall out every time because I'd forget she was back there. And, you know, and they're, they're three years old, four years old, walking around picking up trash. We weren't the most efficient crew but, you know what, we were serving with each other. Or, or even at the, you know, at the movie night, you know, where, hey, you know what, we could be there together. We're talking to people and we've put our kids in some awkward situations. Hey, go talk to them. You know, but, but it's this whole idea of, hey, you know what, as a family, we do this. You know what I mean? And so the other thing is devotions with our kids. Um, we try to do that a little bit in the morning, especially as we get back into a school routine. And I just have an app on my phone, Keys, a Keys for Kids app. Because I remember my dad reading us the book version of Keys for Kids. And, and I was like, oh, there's an app for that, of course, because that's the generation we live in. And it's actually incredibly, it's awesome, because I can just sit down and, and read something, and, and it can be you know, at least a priority as we begin the day. So God talks, they talk about, bring God into everyday conversations. And I think one of the, one of the most important is attending church together. This should be the weekly tradition of your family. I mean, it really should. It's, it's one of the most effective ways to help your kids see this as a priority, our relationship with God, and this is something we do as a family. I remember even when I was a teenager and, and I would ask my dad, hey, can I go sleep over at so-and-so's on Saturday night? He said, sure, as long as you're at church at eight, for the 8 o'clock service. Like, oh. I was the only one that had to wake up at 7.30 I came maybe a little more disheveled, but I, I had to be there because that was a big deal. So, but you know what? You know, having dinner together, all these kinds, there's just ideas for relational time. But I, I would say maybe the best discipleship moments, other than all these things that, 
really make us sound maybe better than we are, is the best discipleship moments come in our mistakes. I've had to spend a few or many nights tucking my kids in to bed, sitting at the end of their bed, having to apologize for something that I did or something that happened during that intentional time where daddy didn't do things so well. And I, I had to process that through with them and actually apologize, and I, I hate that. But I think, I think it's absolutely essential. What a great opportunity for discipleship. They clearly see they're with me enough to know dad and mom are not perfect. And the sooner we admit that, I think the better, and we're able to talk it through that with them. So many of the times, Chris, you know, the kids would be in bed, and Kristen and I would talk about how we totally botched some of the opportunities of the day. But even the instances that seem like a failure can actually be turned into a huge success if we process through the situation in a godly way with our kids. The point today isn't to be perfect with your time, but to simply have the Holy Spirit increase our awareness of prioritizing intentional time and help us take steps forward in these areas he reveals to us. Does that make sense? And, and so what Faith Path does, this is where Faith Path comes in, Faith Path helps with those steps forward of saying, yes, I want to be intentional, but what do I do? So according to research, most parents want to be intentional at home, and I, I agree. I think we all, all of us sitting in here, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, we all want to be intentional with, with raising the next generation. The intent and the desire is there, but research reveals that there's two main roadblocks to, that, that parents really run into. One is time. In our culture, that's a legitimate concern, isn't it? Time is an issue. There's so many things that demand our time, and many of them are good things, but all too often we exchange what's best for just what's good, right? And so we really need to be careful with how we spend our time. So the question is, is there even any time or any opportunities for intentionality in our family schedule? Is there any opportunity even in your family schedule for that, for that intentional time? But the second roadblock to, that this research reveals is that parents don't want or don't know what to do. They're looking for resources. And as a church, we can't give you more time for your family. We really can't. But what we can do is help with the resourcing. And so this is exactly what Faith Path all about is, is all about. And if you've seen the home points that are coming in, one of the pieces that we've just set up is, is the Faith Path um, big graphic that looks just like this up on the screen. And that's out there. And so you can get an idea, kind of a graphic picture on what this process looks like for kids and all the way into adulthood, which is, I think, the really nice part about it. So a couple things and a couple ways that you can be intentional. One of the first things that you'll see there at the Home Point Center is there's a sign that says start here. This is the Home Point plan for building strong families, 120 days of intentionality. So if you're like, okay, I want to be intentional, but what do I do or how do I do that? Well, you grab one of these and the, on the first page, it actually allows you some time to reflect. So how have I been doing? And some of us, we already know how we're doing, right? If we're being honest. And, and there are some, you'll find that there's some things that you're doing really well, so don't be discouraged. There are some times and moments that you create. Um, but this says, okay, but what's my plan going forward? So what can I do? And there's resources at the Home Point Center to help with that. And one of the best resources is Faith Path. So Faith Path is, and these are both brochures about guiding your child's spiritual journey one step at a time. And that's really what we're trying to do is help resource parents with guiding that spiritual journey. So Faith Path is an age-specific process or strategy to nurturing and guiding your child's spiritual journey one step at a time. 
So faith path doesn't just cover the when of when something should happen. It is age-specific. But it, does, it doesn't just cover the when, but also the what and how. So there's 13 different kits for parents on the child portion of the faith path, including the salvation and baptism that's up in the water there, because that can happen any time along that path. Um, and Portview will provide these kits that contain um, a recommended focus on specific practices and milestones in those kids' lives. They're focused on those. And so each kit includes a training video, a simple guide, fun starter ideas, and other recommendations. And if you've had a student information sheet filled out for your students and for your kids, you should have gotten an email this week. There's a test email that went out. Nod your head if you did you get a test email. If not, um, you can actually go online, and I'll show you the website in just a little bit, and you can make sure that your child's registered for Faith Path if you didn't get that test email. That may even either mean one or two things. One, you didn't, your child's not or your student's not signed up, but two, um, that we don't have or that information that we have is wrong. Maybe we don't have a right email address or didn't come through well. So, so when you're, for example, on this faith path that we see, when your child turns three, we suggest focusing on that habit of blessing your child. And as your child ages, we'll suggest other age-appropriate strategies such as God's intent for sexuality and purity. And... Um, all the way through launching your students well off into college. A number of you, um, I saw pictures on Facebook dropping kids off at college. This is the time of year where that happens. Well, how do you do that well? You know, what's, what could that final step look like? So, so that's what Faith Path is all about. And so what I want to do now is invite Pastor Mark up for a few minutes, and we're going to talk about just a couple things that are more specific to um, what, what Pastor Mark has seen personally. And so we'll make a spot up here with these two. How does that work? Good for you. So, Pastor Mark, you and I are in a little, uh, probably in many ways, <laughs> in different situations, but especially with that of our kids. Mm-hmm. And so you have um, kids that are, that, are, that, are, that are older and everything. Um, and so, like, looking into adulthood and thinking of the adult version of faith path, um, and that's where a lot of us are as well here. But what role does that adult faith path, the next stones that we see that are a different color up there, what does that adult uh, faith path, what, you know, how, how does that look in families about prioritizing intentional time for disciple making in that? Okay. Well, I think the first thing for us to think about are a couple of things that you've hit on here, but I, that we really need to get is that somebody could sit here today, if you were here last week and you're here this week, they could say, why all this time and energy? Why did you break into a series to sit here and explain a process as a church that we can walk out and look on a board, see what it is, and decide whether or not we want to be involved in it? You know, I don't really care about that. Why would we possibly take two weeks and you're going to say, no, why about the adult path? What about the kids' path? Um, because this is the most important thing. It really is. Matter yeah. of fact, if, if, if we don't accomplish this in some manner, I'm not saying this is the only manner. We're going to talk about the adult section of it in a second here. Um, but if we don't accomplish this on purpose, there's no sense in us gathering. Because we talked about it last week. Jesus didn't say make converts. Jesus said go make disciples. And this is all about making disciples. It's just, it's, making disciples is helping your kid follow after Jesus as you follow right. it. That's all it is. And if we don't get this, we've missed it all. Right. We've really missed the most important thing that Jesus told us to do. So, so this is this is all there is. You know, I just sat at a uh, funeral. We mentioned earlier Suzanne's uh, stepdad, 
And, you know, the only grandparents my kid have ever known, my kids have known because they was her stepdad before they were ever born. And we're sitting at the funeral and we're, we're paying, I'm listening to it and I thought, and it was very much about Jesus and the life, this man's life served, you know, lived serving Jesus. And, and, and imperfectly, he did it imperfectly, as we all do. Um, but I sat there and said, the only thing that mattered, who gathered for the funeral, was family, came from around the country. You know, there were friends and there were family. And when you boil your life down to what's most important, this is it. No one talked one time about the kind of, the guy lives in a beautiful house. Matter of fact, he died working on his house. Yeah. No one talked about his house. No one talked about his really nice truck. No one talked about his retirement plan. No one talked about the guy loved him and, his, and Suzanne's mom loved to take cruises. No one talked about cruises and all the places they've been. Right. They talked about a relationship with Jesus. And mm-hmm. whether the kids, and this was, this was a hard thing. The kids that were serving were walking after Jesus and the kids that weren't. That was what the conversations were about. So yeah. this is everything. And so for moms and dads, you know, um, last week I asked, I do this a lot, I asked Brett, I said something about the sermon, did, did it make sense? Whatever. He goes, yeah, a lot of it didn't apply to me though. He goes, I'm not, I don't have any kids yet. And so a lot of you could be saying, well, this doesn't apply to me. It really does. It, it really does. Because in one way or another, every one of us is, needs to be, if we're not, engaged in this disciple-making process. Right. And, and how does it apply to the adult side of it? And adults, I want you to hear this. And I'm, I'm saying this, you know, the old saying, I always say, when you point one finger, you get three more pointing back at you. You can't lead where you've not been. And right. so a lot of times we say, oh, I, you know, I want my kids to be these wonderful kids who serve after Jesus, walk after Jesus, and, and they're, you know, they're full in their faith. I've got to look in the mirror first. And I've got to say, is that what they see in me? Now, again, imperfectly, because you, you, know, you graciously talked about things you do well, and you said, and we blow it a lot. We all do. Yeah. So we're all imperfect. But I can't lead somebody where I've not been. And so as you look in the mirror and you see things about yourself, I don't care who you are. There's things you see that need to get better and need to grow and need to develop. And we've tried our best to put, make available opportunities that will help deal with the most important things. Things like the trek in the adult portion. The trek, here's the deal. If you want to have an environment in your home, and remember we talked, we talked about this last week, and you, and you did it here with the two signs, that there's two main components in spiritual growth. There's a component of the family, and there's a component of the church. It's not either or, it's both and. We've got a whole bunch of people running around the world today saying, Christianity, especially in America, I'll just do it in my home. That's garbage. The scriptures say just the opposite. It's the, it's the, it's the family and it's the home. Today we're talking about the home component. You know, In that home component, the thing that's going to make your kids want to grow is the environment of your home. Right. If your kids turn 18 and they want to bolt to the farthest corner of the country, it probably says something about the home. Now, it doesn't mean if your kids live somewhere else. I'm not saying, I'm looking at, oh, your kids moved away. That means they get jobs, they move, they go to college. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that that idea of the atmosphere of your home is super important. Things like the track. And so some of you say, how come my home is the way it is? You want it, you put on a Sunday smile, but at home, it's a war zone. Why? Because there's junk in there. We all have it. Right. And, and, and I think showing that example in communicating with your kids when you don't do it well helps them understand how then they should process through it. A hundred percent. And so, and so you're leading by example once again. But in order to do that, it, it always requires vulnerability. I think that's the hardest part a lot of times is saying, you know what, I need to start with me. Right. Well, without jumping ahead, and maybe we'll jump ahead to one of your questions yeah, a little fine. bit, but um, 
you, you asked a question. You said um, where you were going to ask. He was going to ask me a question. Question right. number three. Do you want me to ask um, it or do you want to uh, No, I'll say it. You know, uh, where, you know, where do you start if, you're, if, if your kids are older already and now you've come to faith in Christ? What do you right. do? And, and, I, and my answer, as I thought about it, was say, talk openly about your journey, your successes, and your failures. Talk about it. It don't don't this idea that faith is this private matter baloney. It's a public matter, especially for your family. It should be the most public matter in your home, your faith. And so you talk about it. And I, and I remember as I was thinking about that, I thought my parents, um, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My parents came to Christ in their 40s, and I was a senior in high school. Within a year, I came to Christ. The reason was is because I saw what happened in their lives. I saw them change, and they talked to me about it. And as I saw them change and they, and they began to share what was going on in their lives with me, it affected me. And so sharing your failures and your successes, and remember this, parents are the biggest influence there is in the, in the faith journey of, an, of, a, of other family members. Moms and dads, you may, you know, media has an effect and friends have an effect. Mom and dad, numbers say, statistics say, mom and dad are the number one influence. And so if you want to have a proper influence, what are you, what's the deal? I can't take someone where I've not been, so I need to grow myself. That's the most important thing. Well, faith path is just the way to grow. You know, you want to be able to teach your kids right? You know what? Do the Good and Beautiful God series. Why? Because what is it? That the triangle of change changes your heart, which leads to how do you, how do you affect the world around you? Right. And so... Um, and, and, and that process can start at any point throughout the journey. And so I, I love what you're saying because that means that there's hope. There's no always ma- hope. No matter where you start this thing, even if you're like, you know what, we believed in Jesus, but maybe we haven't started the in, really being intentional at home very much until right now. There's still hope. Even if they weren't saved until my kids are adults and maybe what can I do? Well, there's still hope because you still have huge influence, you're saying. You have huge influence. And so what you can do, the best thing you can do for your child, let's say you're in that situation, even if you raised your kid in church, your kid's in church, and they've scattered to the four corners of the globe, um, there is hope. And, what, and you say, well, they don't seem to want something of Jesus. As you grow and develop in Christ, as you develop in Christ's likeness, do what you do, not what you do, what you can, not what you can't. You develop in Christ's likeness. You you just dig in and, and and invest in your spiritual life. And as you grow and blossom, believe me, they see it and they say, "I want what you have." Yeah. And so that's the most, most important thing I can do. I can't take someone where I've not been. So I need to in, invest. And and you know what? Model putting time and energy into the most important thing, which we're saying is spiritual development. Right. So what do I model as a, as a parent, as a grandparent? Um, do I model that, that, that my spiritual life is the most important thing? Or do I model the day my kids all graduate from high school and leave the nest? What I model is what's really most important is running around the world completing my bucket list. And then they go, well, what's really most important is doing my bucket list. And so, or am I saying, no, no matter what, my walk with Christ, now that's going to change in time. It was going to change how my commitments and what I do. But what am I saying with my time and my energy to my kids? So track or um, uh, um, uh, faith path is ways you can invest your energy into important things that really bring life change in you so that you can honestly radiate the love of Jesus in a different way that your kids can see and they're going to say, I want that. So it teaches multiple ways. So, it positively affects in multiple ways. So, so where is, what, what does that year one look like in the adult faith path? What are the components of it? Yeah. 
So year if one, someone wants to get started. year one in faith path. And again, this could be for somebody. Somebody said to me recently, "Oh, so year one is only if you don't know anything." That's not true. I I go through a lot of these courses every year by myself or with other people. So year one, it's just we tried to build it um, as building blocks. And you wouldn't have to take them in, in the order we put them, but it makes most sense. So year one would start with what we call the purple book, which just what we're trying to do with those two things basically. Number one, expose you to all a broad view of scripture. And allows you then to think about all these areas that maybe you haven't thought about, get kind of start to get in line with scriptural thinking, and then it also teaches this main thing. God's word has the answers. Class number two talks about um, how do I walk with God, experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. We did it as a whole church a while back. I do it almost every time I have to make a major decision in my life, I redo the, the course, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I go through it. Suzanne and I, we buy new notebooks, and we go through it together, and at the end we conclude what should we do. It's how do I walk with God. You know, and I, I actually, I didn't realize this to now, but what, when I drop my kids off at school, the thing that I always say to them is, all right, you guys, see where God's at work and join him in what he's doing. Henry so maybe that means sharing your faith. Maybe that means keeping your mouth shut. Maybe that means just exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. But whatever it is, just have that awareness. Yeah, and you got that because we as a whole church exactly. went through experiencing God. So it's a wonderful tool that helps me understand and reminds me what is it like to really walk with God. Then the third component we've not done here yet, but it was a hole we were trying to fill. It's dealing with our spiritual giftedness and how do I, how do I function in God's gifts um, within within my own life and within the body of Christ and within the world, yeah. and so that's year one. Then that's year two awesome. or three would be either the Trek or uh, the Good and Beautiful God series, and then year two or three would be the opposite one. And then the rest of your life, connect groups, yeah. place to belong, grow, serve. That's awesome. So I, you know, I, I gave some examples of of how we were being intentional at home or how that could look. But my oldest child is only ten years old, so you're you're in a very different place than I am. So how does discipleship look with older Children like teenagers or even adult kids, where you know, how how would that how does that look for you guys now? It's it it goes. Um, years ago, I was I was in Cub Scouts, and I went to Cub Scout and and Wee Below and Boy Scout training, and I thought they have the best illustration. I said every every youth ministry and kids ministry needs to go to Cub Scouts to learn this, and they do this thing where they say at first, and I don't remember it exactly. You start out in front of the child. And then you come, end up, you go beside the child, and then you end up behind the child. Meaning this, at first you're leading the child, they're just doing what, they're just following you. Mm-hmm. Then you stand with an arm next to them, and you're, you're a, kind of a partner helping them. Then you stand behind and you observe. That's the process of letting go. That's the process of discipleship. At first you're very intentional, but once your kids get a little older, you, um, you gotta be more careful about what you say. Um, because they don't want to just be told what to do. And so you have to be a little, you have to be more careful about this. And I think this is the key is I kind of th- thought about that. The most important thing is in that journey you're living with them that you, that the most important thing is building a relationship of love and respect between you and your children. Because then when they're older, they want to come to you because they love and respect you and you love and respect them. If all you tried to do, and I really think this was a mistake that the Christian world bought into for a while in American evangelicalism, and I won't, you can think of some programs that taught this and I won't name them, but where it basically tried to teach you that kids are just little robots to shut up and listen, and if you just discipline them right, they'll do exactly what you want. The problem with that is it said that kids don't have a brain or a personality or a soul. And so kids just shut up and listened, and the day they turned 18, they ran away. Um, it's about a real, building a loving relationship of respect with your child, which means this. Dad, 
And mom, it's not about winning. The tendency for us is to want to win, to try to prove we're right. That's a, mis- a misnomer, especially in our kind of evangelical brain. We're so focused on truth. And it's truth, but it's about truth and grace. We're so focused on truth that we're going to prove we're right and, and browbeat our kids into we're right. Well, the problem is you win the, you win the battle and you lose the war. You know, so, so I love this morning, and this is, you guys get to experience this too, but this, I'll just say my world. This morning I sat here, it was a, it was a tough week last week. It was a hard emotional week and a lot of junk and, and, and helping, helping family, her mom navigate this, you know, never paid a bill in her life. She got now feeling, how do I pay the bills and, and all this stuff. Helping her do all that. And I sit here, and I'm looking at my wife lead worship, and my son play the drums, and my other son and his fiance with their hands raised next to me worshiping, and I'm saying to myself, it doesn't get any better than this. Now, it can look different than that because some of your kids aren't here, and some of your kids are little, but it doesn't get any better than this. You know? and, and, and I don't know if Lila and Keenan, are you here? Keenan, I'm watching Sheena, and this is what I said to myself. There's not a more beautiful thing on the planet than watching Sheena right now, because it's like one of her very first weeks in the adult service leading worship. And I'm watching Sheena, and I'm going, that's the most beautiful thing in the world, is seeing your daughter do that, your child do that. You know, it doesn't mean they have to be a singer, they don't have to be up front. Right. But it's based on when you, you want to, it's not about winning. It's about building a great relationship with them, so that when they're older, they actually give a rip about what you have to say. Yeah, it's it's keeping the end in mind. It's always because keeping the end in mind. Instead of being so focused on the moment, say, okay, in the long run, where how is this going to play in? And that goes back to what your the main point is. And we talked about this. He tried to say, how do I pull one point? Because last week we looked at our tape and we went, wow, we went way too long last week. Um, and we're, we're going to get in there pretty close today. <laughs> um, and, right. uh, and he said, you know, one point. And your one point was intentionality. Yeah. And that's... Right. So we do our best to provide great tools and encourage and, and, and try to ex- express from the depths of our heart how important this really is. Yeah. But people have to choose what they want to do. They, they do, and, and, and I think kind of that whole idea with the end game in mind, the whole point purpose to this whole faith path process is to be the church where if you want to raise your kids to serve Jesus, long-term thinking, that, that this is where you can be equipped to do that, yep. where we're going to champion you, we're going to support you, we're going to give you the tools to do it, and it's just a matter of taking taking that those opportunities, making any changes that God reveals to you, and then watching it unfold in front of your eyes. Now, there there are no guarantees. Just because you walk uh, your kids walk down this faith path in 20 years, come back to us and say, oh, something happened and it didn't work. Well, you know what? There 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 are no guarantees. Um, it, but you know what? If were this intentional, the the percentage or the opportunity or the chance that our kids will um, end up where we've been dreaming and praying for them to end up, um, which doesn't happen by accident, will will happen. The the degree or the chance in which uh, of that happening will increase, and that's and and that's really our heart, and that's really kind of the attitude of us as a church. You know, our our phrase is is you can do it, we can help. We really do want to be the ones cheering you on. We're, we're the ones, you know, we're trying to hash through it ourselves. We do it very imperfectly. We don't have all the answers. You can read a lot of books and still not live it out very well. I know that. But you know what? I hope you guys hear our hearts this morning that Faith Path is all about equipping um, you guys to do that. You know, uh, something like a Bible quiz where they're studying at home, but it's 
coupled with a church program is a beautiful picture on how the church and family can work together on something like that. You know, so coupled together, the church and the family together doing this, um, I think it can happen. And, and, and I know as one with kids, who we still have a fighting chance. But I, I use a phrase that you always said about your kids. There are no guarantees. I have no idea if my kids are going to be, are going to grow up and serve Christ. I really don't. Um, being a pastor doesn't mean anything about the chance of that happening. And so, um. Usually just the opposite. <laughs> right. But, but you know what? With something like this in place and with a church family and a church body doing it together, man, I love our chances. I really do. And and this is God's plan. Right. And so it's not like a couple of knuckleheads sat together and said, what, let's come up with a plan. This is just God's plan. Although we are kind we of a couple of knuckleheads. We are. I, I agree with that. But, uh, you know, Jesus said he didn't call many wise among you. You know, so <laughs> evidence. But, uh, but um, it wasn't just... Uh, some dream, oh, let's dream a dream and come up. No, it's yeah. just God's very simple plan on, on how to make disciples. Yeah. And it takes intentionality. It takes purpose. Our culture has kind of forgotten. Here's the deal. This wouldn't have been unusual talking or thinking 50 years ago. Um, right. It was just understood. Yeah. And, but the church, the family's got so fragmented. The church has lost its place of importance in, the, in community and society. Right. And so we're having to rediscover and, and really work hard. At, at reintroducing some things that historically have just been part of the church, you know, of Christianity. Right. The marriage of family, family and church. The family cannot export it to the church and expect to do it. And the, the family can't do it on, own, on home, at home without the church's resources and giftings. Yeah. So what, you know, what we hope that you're hearing this morning is one, that, that you can do it, is then time and intentionality is a huge component to doing it. But two, um, that as a church, we're looking to be able to back you and do as much as we can. And the whole idea of, of prioritizing in something like Faith Path, both for kids and adults, because we understand the modeling component is huge. And that even with older kids, and you're sitting there saying, I don't know how well I connect with this, you, you do. You actually have huge influence. You can be the cool aunt and uncle, or you can be the cool aunt and uncle who's pointing them to Jesus all the time. Amen. You know, and, and so, you know, you, you have a role. And so, um, and, and, and how does that look like discipling older kids? You know, Pastor Mark was able to speak to that. But then the other thing is that no matter what, because we're all sitting here in different stages, that there is hope. With God, there is no loss of hope. And so no matter what your history looked like, we can get started even today to be able to do that. And so, so what I want to do is just show you how we're going to do that and, it, um, and, and just... Uh, the different, there's two different avenues in which you can get a better understanding and faith path and start to utilize it. One is on your way out. There's two tables on either side of those pillars going out. It's an overview kit of the faith path. Make sure you grab one of those. There's a video in it, about 15 minutes long. Watch the video so you can see the heart and kind of the attitude and understand how faith path works. But two is there's um, a website that we've created where all of the kits and everything that you need to access is actually all online. And so... Um, I want to I want to end with this, and I want to pray for our families. So, so what we're going to do is is um, they're just going to be up on the screen, just a little video as far as how how faith path how how faith path looks online. And so, so it's right on the hp.portviewchurch.com website. And so this is how you can go and access it. Or if you haven't got the test email this week, this is where you can go and do that. So you click on faith path, and then if you scroll down there, one of the first 
um, things that you see there is the two tabs, the child faith path and adult faith path. You can get more information on that process. The faith path, child faith path overview is a video right there. And so here's the adult faith path. It gives an explanation of that and what happens with that. And then as you scroll down, there's um, the register for faith path. And so that's where you would go to register your child if you didn't get that test email. And then, as you'll see on the website, you scroll down and all of the kits that are available for kids are all there. So even if you need to work backwards, even if, you know what, my kid's 16, but man, I'd love to see how we can, how we can make this look for a 16-year-old. So all of them are there and all the way down to salvation and baptism because that can happen at any time along those roads. And so, so what do those kits look like? Well, at age nine, we recommend talking about giving and serving. And so, and so you can, you can take a look at what that looks like and, and see, and see the video there, download the kit there and everything like that. The video plays right online so you can get a picture of what that looks like. So, so all of those pieces and all those components are all online and you can go and access that at any time. So, and they're not only just online, we really would like you to access them online, yeah. but there's actually real kits, right? Paper, paper in envelopes with stuff that are, will be available at the Home right. Point Center. Yep. Uh, the month of September and in October, we'll have all those kits available. So, but they're available right now. They are you online. Can go, you can search and look at everything online as well. So I, I, I hope that um, we're willing to take advantage of this. And so what I, I think an appropriate thing to do, um, especially as you guys move into the rest of your day, Labor Day weekend, family time together, that, you know what, it'd be a great thing to sit down as a family, to pray together and to say, okay, what can this look like in our family? So would you please stand with me this morning as we just close up in prayer? God, we want to thank you for your plan that you set in place. Lord, that faith path is just a process that you've begun, you started. In fact, your example 2,000 years ago in the life of Jesus himself demonstrates this purposeful, intentional disciple-making process. And Lord, all we're trying to do is say, God, you set the example. Now, how does that look in our families in the 21st century? And so, Lord, one of the ways that you showed it is through intentional time. So, Lord, I pray that as the things that you spoke to us today, that what's the things that have triggered our minds or our hearts, Lord, would just be so evident. God, that we would be able to act on those things. Lord, that that we wouldn't be overwhelmed with the things we're not doing, but we would be encouraged by the things we are, number one. And number two, Lord, that, that we would just start to make slow changes, maybe big changes, but whatever you're leading us to do. So God, thank you that you're the one who set this in place. God, thank you that you loved us enough to show the example of Jesus Christ himself and how he carried it out. And Lord, that... Just as Jesus said to his disciples, you say to us as followers of you, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That we, through the power of your Holy Spirit, can make those difficult changes, can set the example, can be intentional, can model how it looks to follow Jesus. And that our kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews will be attracted, not just to us, but to our Christ-likeness that they see in us. So God, lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.